It's great to be here. It's good to have Central in the house. So our theme for the year is, just a few of us remembered, so now that you just heard it, our theme for the year this year is what? All in. Yes. And um, I've, I've chosen to really, really kind of zone in on that theme for this month in January as we try to not only connect with God through our fast and prayer, our time of prayer and fasting, 21 days, but also for us to be, be thinking about what does that mean for us personally. Um, when we think about that concept of all in, you can go to many different places in your mind. You know, you can think about people who don't do as what you think they should do, or you think about the ministries that you're in, that people that are not serving as they ought to, or whatever things that may come to your mind. Whether it be us all in in our time and our punctuality at church. Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. But um, I really want this to be personal. I want to encourage you to think about what does all in mean to you? What does that mean to you? What, what is it going to look like to you this year if you're all in? You know, we, we, we had two sermons so far. We, the first one was all in. And last week we talked about all or nothing. And we spoke about Jesus' call for us to be either in or out, if so to speak. But today we're going to look at the topic of all in all. And the title is The All in All. I have a joke for you, by the way. You all ready for it? A minister delivered a sermon in 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, which was about half the usual length of his sermons. He explained, I regret to inform you that my dog, who is very fond of eating paper, ate the portion of my sermon which I was unable to deliver to, this, to you this morning. After the service, a visitor came up to him and shook his hand, and he said, Preacher! If that dog of yours has any puppies, I want one to give to my minister. You all like that one? Where am I going with that one, right? Well, the dog can eat my, my laptop, or my iPad, sorry. So there's no dogs this morning. But I promise that uh, this morning, uh, we'll just be here for about three and a half hours. It's all good. Anyhow, Jesus is our all in all. That's just who he is. Have you ever just wanted God to whisper into your ear and tell you, why it hurts so much or which choice to make how to handle your conflicted desires how to forgive someone who's hurt you or maybe even to point the way to a new start 
Where do I go? How do I begin? Maybe to explain why he did or did not act in a particular situation. Have you ever longed to hear God's voice say or help you to make clear what he would like for you to do for him? How about to give you permission to give up or the energy to carry on? And I believe that we're going to look at a book this morning, and the book is Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, the author seeks to present his readers a message from God. And he begins with the truth that God does speak to us today. He does. You see, God used to speak in plain ways in the days of the prophets. And obviously this resulted in the prophets' messages about repentance, warnings, signs, and even the Messiah. You know, the Hebrews followed Jesus, but it seems they were questioning their decision at some point. And why? Why question following God? Maybe it's persecution. Maybe it's family pressures or disappointment in life. Can you relate? They were drawn back to the old familiar ways of life. Life before Jesus. Which obviously is life without Jesus. Let's be honest, brothers and sisters and friends. Have you ever looked back at your life without Jesus and questioned your decision to follow him? Maybe you've decided, man, maybe I started a little too soon. I need a little more time in the world so I could have learned some lessons. But now that I'm in, oh gosh, I ain't get to do that. I ain't get to do this. And, and if I jump up in a carnival band and I don't know what it's like to be in a fet. And those voices come. Of course, we know who's sending those words in our ears. And I believe that it's called being tempted. And temptation will come. We will be tempted to think about our past. And there are times when we're going to be down in a valley and thinking, man, how do I get out? You know, a relevant question for us to consider is, have I decided to try to live without Jesus? Is that what I'm doing? And as disciples, we too can fall into this trap, depending on ourselves, neglecting our spiritual life, falling into worldly attitudes and actions. And it starts off with one simple decision. I don't really need to read my Bible and pray as often. I don't really need to share my faith. It's interesting how sharing our faith could become an optional thing sometimes. Not so? 
Do you take the time to ask yourselves the question, what would God say about all of this? Or actually, what is he saying about this? Not what would he say, but what is he saying? What is he saying about your disbelief? Your lack of faith? Your faithlessness? Or your lack of reverence? If that applies to you at all. On any given day, we can find ourselves doubting God's promises or feeling tired of fighting, living sexually pure lives, loving people. You know that is real work? Feeling needy. You don't want to feel this way. But God puts us in positions to feel needy so we can go to Him. He wants us to know that, guess what? It's okay to feel in want. It's okay to feel inadequate. Because the Bible says, when we are weak, he is strong. We don't want to feel lonely. We don't want to feel unappreciated or unloved. Am I saying that you need to go after being lonely and unappreciated and unloved i'm just saying that this comes this is part of life you could have all the friends in the world which some of us do have on facebook and social media but yet still you're in a corner crying your eye out because you have no friends who do you turn to god i believe would simply tell us to listen to Jesus. It begins with the foundational truth of the entire epistle. Jesus is all in all. That's who he is. He is the all in all. He is God's son, full of grace and truth, the Bible says, and worthy of our devotion and commitment. Let us pray at this time. Our great Father, our awesome King, Father God, we we're broken. We're weak. We're sinful. And God, we desire to be with you. Father, we need you. Although we know that there are times when we act like we don't. I pray this morning, God, that Father, we would find the energy. We would find the resolve. We would find an understanding through your word that allows us to see only your son. Because God, we know that it is through him that we are able to come to you. Fill me with your spirit, God. I pray that I will become less and you become great. That God, the words that are spoken will be yours and not mine. 
Father, help us all, every individual here this morning, God, help us all to think deeply about our relationship with you. We love you and we thank you. Isn't Jesus my prayer? In Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 1 it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, and these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he had made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things in his powerful word after he had provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Powerful passage. It kind of grips you when you read it. Because you get a full sense of, wow. Jesus is amazing. My first point of two points this morning, God has always desired to be known. You know, Hebrews 1 verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. He revealed the power of his wrath to the, through the flood and his ability to save with the ark. He revealed his ability to deliver us from captivity and bring us to the promised land in the story of the Israelites when they escaped from Egypt. He revealed his love for holiness and righteousness in his law. He revealed his plan for the ages to come through the prophets of old. From the beginning, God wanted to know or to be known to his creation, to all of us. Various ways, you know, liberally, literally means, sorry, in many portions, if I may say. You know, God spoke through a rainbow to Noah, an angel to Hagar, dreams to Joseph, a burning bush to Moses, Urim and Tumim to high priests, right? Uh, this, 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 this interesting two words here are elements of the Hoshen, the breastplate worn by the high priest attached to the ephod. So it's something that they wore, right? And most scholars suspect that the phrase refers to a set of two objects used by the high priest to answer a question or reveal the will of God. So the Urim and the Tumim first appears in Exodus 28:30, where they are named for inclusion on the breastplate to be worn by Aaron the holy, in the holy place. And other books, especially 1 Samuel, describe their use in divination. So I'll give you a little something to, to chew on there. To Elijah, what did he do? Small voice. He whispered. And a vision in the temple he gave to Isaiah. You know, I think it is 
fear to say that God was known. And he wants us to know how much he loves us. And he wants to save and to bless us. And he desires to have deep and intimate fellowship with you. You know, God's desire to be known and he has moved, sorry, God desires to be known and he has moved in history to reveal himself to his creation, to you and to me. Has he done enough to get your attention yet? What do you need for God to get your attention? Has he gotten your full attention? Maybe we do acknowledge God on a Sunday morning. Maybe we do acknowledge God when we're praying. Maybe we do acknowledge God when we're among disciples. Isn't that just, you can't, you can't help it, right? Well, I'm among the Christians now, so I've got to put on a Christian. All right, let's be disciples now. But back at the ranch, where there's no disciples in sight, what happens? Is God still worthy of our seeking after him and our desire to commune with him? Or are we caught up in our own lives? I mean, he's doing his best to communicate to us. How is our response this morning? Point number two. Only Jesus could reveal the Father to us. Now, if we're honest, wouldn't we much prefer to know God on our own terms? Now, I, I ain't want this church thing. I just want to get up in the morning, pray to my God, and know that everything good with me and he and I said, Isn't that how we feel sometimes? At the fellowship, at the pray for people, at the fast for 21 days. And we find ourselves trying to in our minds, tell ourselves why we have to do all of that. You know, I've spoken to many people who claim to seek after a relationship with God. But in their minds, they've come up with their own way to do so. You ever meet anybody like that before? Well, I connect with God through meditation. Yeah, there you go. I just connect with my God. He, he, me and have a good relationship, you know. He know I just cuss every so often. You know I just smoke I just something because you know what happened. But guess what? Me and what are you testing? One, two. I just grab a next mic. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he knows. Oh, I should switch it. Yeah, and we find ourselves. Maybe you've been like that before. 
Maybe you're not like that. No, amen. But I, I do think that that's a past or a part of our past that we can easily go back to. Because we, we like the comfort of it. That I get to determine how I relate to God. I get to determine what I get to do. Because whatever I do, he understands. He gets me because we have a connection. So no longer does Jesus have a say in your relationship with God. So we bypass Jesus and we say, no, 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 I have a direct connection to God Almighty. Now, obviously, we know that God exists in three forms, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there's a, there's a part of our brain that, that could easily kind of take that away and kind of put that to the side and, no, 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 this is how I see it. I get to determine my path. Only through Jesus do you get to the Father. You know, if we could just somehow get up and make our own path to God, I believe that's a big temptation. In Hebrews chapter 1, in our text this morning, in verse 2 it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Jesus reveals the Father to us. In Jesus, God is saying, I want to show you who I am. You want to know God? You got to look to Jesus. It is in watching Jesus and how he loves, cares for, listen to, and heal that we begin to know who God is. Our understanding of God is in our human capacity can only be realized by the eyeballing, meditating, and focusing on Jesus. There's no other way. Jesus himself said, you see me, you see the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that what he said? Because God is infinite in every way, we never stop growing in our knowledge of him. Every time we read the Bible, we can find something new. Isn't that true? But Jesus is uniquely qualified to reveal the Father to us. He is the Word after all. Not so, John 1. I decided to kind of define that word uniquely because it really brings a lot more meaning to what I'm trying to say. And uniquely means in a way that belongs or in, is connected to only one particular person or thing. One. No two ways, three ways, all roads lead to heaven. No, no, no. no. One way to the Father. 
He is the eternal Son of God. As a part of the Trinity, Jesus has always existed. He is the heir of all things. Naturally, the Son is the heir, and all that the Father has belongs to Him. Remember this story of the prodigal son? What did he tell his son at the end? He said, what I have belongs to you. So what are you fretting about? He is the only rightful heir. I mean, if you want to think about an analogy, you could think about maybe the movie Lion King and Simba being the heir to Mustafa's throne. Just thought I'd throw an animation in there. You know, Jesus is the Son of God. And he can make good on all he has promised to give us. Why? Because he has all of the resources to do so. You ever thought about that? You know, sometimes we think, well, I ain't get blessed because I guess Jesus can't do it. Or is it that he chooses not to? He's the heir of all things. In Romans chapter 8, it says, verse 16 and 17, Paul is speaking here to the Christians in Rome. He says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It's interesting, there's some passages you read and, you know, we just like to focus on the nice stuff. Just give me the good stuff, right? I mean, this passage is loaded. It's like, we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Yes! I love it! But look at what he says at the end. He says, if indeed we share in his sufferings. We don't like that. Skip that part. What kind of suffering talking, talking? No. I just want to be an heir. And just receive what Jesus has in store for me. But he's saying, we got to suffer as well. In order that we may also share in his glory. Jesus is the heir of all things. And through him, we are heirs of God. If indeed we share in his sufferings. You know, Paul puts a gentle reminder for us to remember that Jesus is calling us to follow him and to follow in his steps. Not what we want to do. Not the part that we want to mark out for us. Because, you know, that part is going to just be nice. That's not no pressure in it, you know. If I make my part, it's going to be smooth sailing. No drama. No pressure. I mean, I'll have the most amazing, awesome wife that she just listens to everything I say and loves me no matter what. Isn't that what we, we dream about sometimes, brothers? Or I'll have a husband who just washes all the wares, 
Take so the garbage every time. Cleans the house upside down. I mean, he is just amazing. Somebody said they have that. All right. I'll leave you alone, Maria. I'll leave that right there. You are blessed, my sister. Isn't that how our road would look? Isn't that the part that we would pay for ourselves? But it's not what Jesus does. The part that he paved is a part the road least traveled. That's why the Bible says that only a few find it. Everybody else wants to go and fat. But what we choose to do is to humble ourselves before our God and to love him and learn to love one another. What path are you choosing this morning? You know, Jesus is creator of all things. Romans eleven thirty six 36, it says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Jesus knows the Father like no one else can. Jesus radiates the glory of God. How do you conceive that in your mind? In the Amplified Version, I love how it says it here. It says, the sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God. Reflecting God's Shekinah glory. The light being the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. Oh my goodness. Woo. You just gotta like, wow, gotta soak that in. Jesus reflects God's glory, his presence. The idea of radiance goes back to the nation, sorry, the notion of the Shekinah glory in the Old Testament. This, the Shekinah was a shining, visible glory that demonstrated the majesty of God. In the Exodus, we can read here in Exodus 13, I'll just go through it quickly. By, the, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them in their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. In 4834, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's glory I mean, you think about, I mean, if God's glory came right now, you would fall prostrate on the ground. You would try to sink into the ground because it is so magnificent that you would tremble in fear before God. 
Big man trembled. This week we were reminded of what it means to worship. We were called to a higher level of understanding that our worship before God needs to be worthy of our God. That when we sing, we don't sing mindlessly. We don't mutter words that mean nothing to us. But instead we sing sweet, in your own sweet. But we sing sweetly to our God with deep convictions. Because he's your God. Isn't he? Isn't he that wake you up this morning? It wasn't your alarm clock, by the way. It was God. What is your posture before your God this morning? I tremble before God. I think about his mercy in my life and I feel like, wow, I cannot, I mean, what do I deserve? I, this, to have an amazing family, a wife that loves me. I might wash the wares, but trust me, I'm not the most lovable guy to live with. She's had to put up with a lot of stuff. I have two beautiful children that I feel so blessed out. I have you guys. Seriously. I have you all. You know, this week, a brother came to visit. <laughs> I gotta stop this crying thing. Please. <laughs> See, that is why I just stick to my script. No. When I start to talk, my heart is just... Ah! Jeez, boy. <laughs> he just came to visit. And we talked. It's been a while we, since we had chatted and we just reminisced on being in the church since we were 17, 18. And it just felt like, Wow. Look at what God has done. My tears are primarily because I, I just feel so grateful. To be, to be very honest with you, it really doesn't matter what God does with my life. Minister, it doesn't matter. Once I make it to heaven, once I love my family and I care for my children to make it. Once I be an example and following God's steps. It really doesn't matter. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know. I was talking to another brother this week. And we were just reminiscing on the fact that, man, we don't know what God is going to do in our lives. I mean, how many of us can say that we know that we're going to be walking next week? I know we don't like to think about those things. That we're going to have our sight. That we're going to have ten fingers and ten toes. I'm just saying these are real things that I think sometimes we take for granted. 
that we not we need to be reminded that God's glory needs to wake us up some of us stop allowing Satan to tell you these lies we show up to church brothers and sisters and I you know I shoot straight but some of us I don't know where's your joy where is it who told you the lie that you're believing that you cannot be joyful in your suffering I believe it's because we've lost our view of God's glory and all of our troubles and our circumstances are just clothing us. So we come in and we're not even mindful of why we're here. We just know that I, I gotta be at church. Is your heart here? I hope it is. But if it's not, let's wake up. Let's really think about this. I'm not perfect. Let's just get that clear. I'm the least among the apostles. But I'm fighting. I'm just asking us to, let's fight together. Let's put off the pettiness, the disagreements. We're going to have it, but there's love still. Let's reconcile. Stop giving Satan a foothold. He's only going to tear you apart. That's his job. That's his only prerogative to steal, kill, and to destroy. Let's move on. <laughs> so looking at Christ is the way we see in full the glory of God. You want to see God's glory? Look at Jesus. You want to see God's power in your life? Then you need to turn to Jesus. Looking for strength to overcome sin in your life? Jesus is your man. Guidance in all areas of your life? Jesus has all the answers you need. In your marriage, with your children, your relationships, Salvation comes from him. In Colossians 1 verse 15, I'm over time. It says, the son, of, the son is the image, in verse 15 of Colossians 1, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus expresses the character of God. In verse 3 of the text that we're reading in Hebrews 1, it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The Greek word here, and appearing only once in the New Testament, refers to an exact reproduction. He is exactly like the Father. That's what Jesus is. Jesus possesses the power of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. He fulfills the ultimate desire of God, which is to make us, or make his own, make us his own, sorry, by cleansing us from our sins. You know, the reality is that 
after all is said and done, what counts the most is the message of Jesus, the gospel message. You know, God's desire is for all men to come to know him and to be reconciled to him. So Jesus came on earth 2,000 plus years ago, walked among man and lived a sinless life, died a brutal, humiliating death on a cross, rose from the grave on the third day, and by this he defeated death for our sake giving all an opportunity to come to know him and to be reconciled to God, the Father. His word was made, has made it clear, sorry, how we can attain this saving grace through repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Not a prayer. Not a prayer as some may teach you. Not through a sign. From somewhere. But by responding to God's word. Which is. His son Jesus. That is who he sent. Jesus reigns beside God. Today. He is like the father. Worthy of our worship. I pray that God's wrath is not what we're waiting on to fall on our knees and worship God. Not only in singing, not only in prayer or fasting, but also by the offering of our bodies to righteous living before him. Jesus reigns beside God today. He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majesty or the majestic God in heaven, right hand indicates a place of power and highest honor. If you see, he has my right hand, man, then that's, that's honor. He sat down, implies dignity and dominion. So in conclusion, this is the same Jesus who is our all in all right now. In his presence, we repent. We have a change of mind. We turn towards God. When we consider the majestic Son of God and that we are in his presence, we are ruined. It is when we realize that we are ruined, that we can't clean up our acts on our own, that we recognize perhaps for the first time how relevant Jesus really is. Jesus is a, he is a sin purifier. His blood is the only cleanser that will take away the stains sin has left in our lives. I hope and I pray that he is our all in all. God bless you.